0: Well, hello there. Welcome to Cavalcade.
1: Knock, knock. Knock, knock. <laughs> two ducks. <laughs> two, ducks. <laughs> hey, hey, two ducks. A horse and an orangutan. And the
2: other four letter words were taken. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> these aren't your well, cats. When did I have egg
1: on my finger? <laughs> I didn't even say not the not cats. If I had to guess, I'd say two fingers. I can explain. Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> you know what? <when> <laughs> what <laughs> 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 does it
2: take to change the a language?
1: I did <laughs> 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 <Put in> the chicken. i putting the eggs These aren't your cats. Is it supposed to burn?
0: Cavalcade is brought to you by Harbor Repertory Theater. My name is Keith Bridges, I'm the Artistic Director of Harbor Rep, and I want to thank you for listening. I am so happy to share a new release with you from one of my favorite local musicians, Anastasia Ellis. This is her. Anastasia is a pop R&B singer-songwriter from the Twin Cities. Listening to her music is like reading her diary, talking about self-confidence and battling mental health issues. She shares her writing to connect with people that may be going through similar things as her and to remind them that they are not alone.
3: Then you lost me, now you want me You try and grab me, oh you happy, me Then you lost me, but now I'm happy Cause I don't want you Oh you happy, me, then you lost me Now you want me, you try and grab me Oh you happy, me, then you lost me But now I'm happy, cause I don't want you na 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 na
0: anastasia to send me some information about this song and this is what she wrote her is about me knowing my self-worth and knowing that i am a gold rose which is a line in the song when others listen to this song i want them to remember that no one can ever beat you and no relationship is more important than the one with yourself again, this is Her by Anastasia Ellis. You can find out more about her and her music at her website, AnastasiaEllisMusic.com. That's A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A-E-L-L-I-S-M-U-S-I-C.com.
1: Anything good in the mail? No. Bills. Now what in the world is this? What's what? Some stupid charity sent me a nickel. Look! Well, they expect you to give it back, you know. What? I'm not spending 50 cents on stamps to send them back a nickel. You know what I mean. They expect us to make a contribution. They need money. Well, maybe the reason they need money is because they're milling out nickels to everybody. They send it as a way to get your attention. Well, they got my attention, but I got their nickel. This is going right in my pocket. So you're just going to keep the nickel? Yeah, I'm going to keep it and I'm going to spend it. On what? I don't know. Maybe I'll spring for one of those plastic grocery bags at the Safeway instead of stealing them. (gasps) You don't pay for the bags? Or, you know, I could use it to pay for the tax on something that costs me a dollar. Maybe I'll get a big soda tomorrow. You're going to take money from a charity to buy yourself a big soda? Yeah. If I didn't have the free nickel, I would probably get a regular-sized soda. But I'm five cents richer than I was a moment ago. That is so petty. You could at least throw it in a wishing well or something. So it went back to charity. It wouldn't go back to this charity. And if it did, they'd just be stupid and mail it out again. I'll tell you one thing. With this approach, you're not going to cure whatever it is they're trying to cure. I hope it's pettiness.
0: She sat at the window watching the evening invade the avenue. Her head was leaned against the window curtains, and in her nostrils was the odor of dusty cretin. She was tired. Few people passed. The man out of the last house passed on his way home. She heard his footsteps clacking along the concrete pavement, and afterwards crunching on the cinder path before the new red houses. One time there used to be a field there in which they used to play every evening with other people's children. Then a man from Belfast bought the field and built houses in it. Not like their little brown houses, but bright brick houses with shining roofs. The children of the avenue used to play together in that field. The Divines, the Waters, the Duns, little Keo the Cripple, she and her brothers and sisters. Ernest, however, never played. He was too grown up. Her father used often to hunt them in out of the field with his blackthorn stick but usually, little Keo used to keep nicks and call out when he saw her father coming. Still, they seemed to have been rather happy then. Her father was not so bad then. And besides, her mother was alive. That was a long time ago. She and her brothers and sisters were all grown up. Her mother was dead. Tizzy Dunn was dead too, and the waters had gone back to England. Everything changes. Now she was going to go away like the others, to leave her home. Home. She looked around the room, reviewing all its familiar objects, which she had dusted once a week for so many years, wondering where on earth all the dust came from. Perhaps she would never see again those familiar objects from which she had never dreamed of being divided. And yet, during all those years, she had never found out the name of the priest whose yellowing photograph hung on the wall above the broken harmonium beside the colored print of the promises made to Blessed Margaret Mary Alcock. He had been a school friend of her father. Whenever he showed the photograph to a visitor, her father used to pass it with a casual word. He's in Melbourne now. She had consented to go away, to leave her home. Was that wise? She tried to weigh each side of the question. In her home, anyway, she had shelter and food. She had those whom she had known her whole life about her. Of course, she had to work hard, both in the house and at business. What would they say of her in the stores when they found out that she had run away with a fellow? Say she was a fool, perhaps, and her place would be filled up by advertisement. Miss Gavin would be glad. She had always had an edge on her, especially whenever there were people listening. Miss Hill, don't you see these ladies are waiting? Look lively, Miss Hill, please. She would not cry many tears at leaving the stores. But in her new home, in a distant unknown country, it would not be like that. Then she would be married. She, Evelyn. People would treat her with respect then. She would not be treated as her mother had been. Even now, though she was over 19, she sometimes felt herself in danger of her father's violence. She knew it was that that had given her the palpitations. When they were growing up, he had never gone for her like he used to go for Harry and Ernest, because she was a girl. But latterly he had begun to threaten her and say what he would do to her only for her dead mother's sake. And now she had nobody to protect her. Ernest was dead, and Harry, who was in the church decorating business, was nearly always down somewhere in the country. Besides, the invariable squabble for money on Saturday nights had begun to weary her unspeakably. She always gave her entire wages, seven shillings, and Harry always sent up what he could. But the trouble was to get any money from her father. He said she used to squander the money, that she had no head, that he wasn't going to give her his hard-earned money to throw about the streets, and much more. For he was usually fairly bad of a Saturday night. In the end, he would give her the money and ask her had she any intention of buying Sunday's dinner. Then she had to rush out as quickly as she could and do her marketing, holding her black leather purse tightly in her hand as she elbowed her way through the crowds and returning home late under her load of provisions. She had hard work to keep the house together and to see that the two young children who had been left to her charge went to school regularly and got their meals regularly. It was hard work. A hard life. But now that she was about to leave it, she did not find it a wholly undesirable life. She was about to explore another life with Frank. Frank was very kind, manly, open-hearted. She was to go away with him by the night boat to be his wife and to live with him in Buenos Aires, where he had a home waiting for her. How well she remembered the first time she had seen him. He was lodging in a house on the main road where she used to visit. It seemed a few weeks ago. He was standing at the gate, his peaked cap pushed back on his head and his hair tumbled forward over a face of bronze. Then they had come to know each other. He used to meet her outside the stores every evening and see her home. He took her to see the bohemian girl and she felt elated as she sat in an unaccustomed part of the theater with him. He was awfully fond of music and sang a little. People knew that they were courting, and when he sang about the last that loves a sailor, she always felt pleasantly confused. He used to call her Poppins out of fun. First of all, it had been an excitement for her to have a fellow. And then she had begun to like him. He had tales of distant countries. He had started as a deck boy at a pound a month on a ship of the Allen line going out to Canada. He told her the names of the ships he had been on and the names of the different services. He had sailed through the Straits of Magellan, and he told her stories of the terrible Patagonians. He had fallen on his feet in Buenos Aires, he said, and had come over to the old country just for a holiday. Of course, her father had found out the affair and had forbidden her to have anything to say to him. I know these sailor chaps, he said. One day he had quarreled with Frank. And after that, she had to meet her lover secretly. The evening deepened in the avenue. The white of two letters in her lap grew indistinct. One was to Harry, the other was to her father. Ernest had been her favorite, but she liked Harry too. Her father was becoming old lately, she noticed. He would miss her. Sometimes he could be very nice. Not long before, when she had been laid up for a day, he had read her out a ghost story and made toast for her at the fire. Another day, when their mother was alive, they had all gone for a picnic to the hill of Houth. She remembered her father putting on her mother's bonnet to make the children laugh. Her time was running out, but she continued to sit by the window, leaning her head against the window curtain, inhaling the odor of dusty creton. Down far in the avenue, she could hear a street organ playing. She knew the air. Strange that it should come that very night to remind her of the promise to her mother, her promise to keep the home together as long as she could. She remembered the last night of her mother's illness. She was again in the close, dark room at the other side of the hall, and outside she heard a melancholy air of Italy. The organ player had been ordered to go away and given sixpence. She remembered her father strutting back into the sick room, saying, "Damned Italian's coming over here!' As she mused, the pitiful vision of her mother's life laid its spell on the very quick of her being, that life of commonplace sacrifices closing in final craziness. She trembled as she heard again her mother's voice saying constantly, with foolish insistence, Dervan Seran, Dervan Seran. (laughs) She stood up in a sudden impulse of terror. Escape. She must escape. Frank would save her. He would give her life, perhaps love too. But she wanted to live. Why should she be unhappy? She had a right to happiness. Frank would take her in his arms, fold her in his arms. He would save her. She stood among the swaying crowd in the station at the north wall. He held her hand and she knew that he was speaking to her saying something about the passage over and over again. The station was full of soldiers with brown baggies. Through the wide doors of the sheds, she caught a glimpse of the black mass of the boat, lying in beside the quay wall with illuminated portholes. She answered nothing. She felt her cheek pale and cold, and out of a maze of distress, she prayed to God to direct her, to show her what was her duty. The boat blew a long, mournful whistle into the mist. If she went, tomorrow she would be on the sea with Frank, steaming towards Buenos Aires. Their passage had been booked. Could she still draw back after all he had done for her? Her distress awoke a nausea in her body, and she kept moving her lips in silent, fervent prayer. A bell clanged upon her heart. She felt him seize her hand. Come! All the seas of the world tumbled about her heart. He was drawing her into them. He would drown her. She gripped with both hands at the iron railing. Come. No, no, no. It was impossible. Her hands clutched the iron in frenzy. Amid the seas, she sent a cry of anguish. Evelyn. Evie! He rushed beyond the barrier and called for her to follow. He was shouted at to go on, but still he called to her. She set her white face to him, passive like a helpless animal. Her eyes gave him no sign of love or farewell or recognition. Evelyn by James Joyce
2: Jenny, uh, I know you said I can call anytime and I'm sorry I haven't called before and I'm calling you now with this, but I just really need to talk. Shh, mommy's on the phone. Sorry. Anyway, my mom stopped by for a visit today. Well, that's her word, visit, but it always feels more like an inspection, you know, and I'm not blaming her for my house being a mess. She didn't make the mess. We did. I just think that if it upsets you so much to see the squalor your daughter is living in while she's working two jobs, raising a four-year-old boy and trying to finish graduate school during a global pandemic, then I don't know, maybe you should call before you pop in so she has a chance to get her sad, dirty bras off the dining room table. And I mean, to be fair, I could have picked those up like a week ago or just taken them off in my bedroom like a normal person, but sometimes it just feels like it's too far and I guess I can't do it. Whatever. My point is, no, this is mommy's drink. I know it looks like bubbly water. It's not. I promise it's not bubbly water because you can't. It's called White Claw, honey. It's just for mommies. It's just for mommies. Did you want some gummies? You can have my iPad. There you go. What was I saying? Oh, oh yeah. So my point is the... Hey me again i think i got cut off anyway my point was hey what is that well if you don't know then don't put it in your mouth here just give it here just spit it out sorry what was i saying oh yeah she's so judgmental do you think anybody wants mystery spots on their kitchen floor no i don't like it any more than she does but I feel like she thinks I'm okay with it. That's what kills me. I don't feel good about it. I don't even know what it is that's stuck to my floor most of the time. Maybe it's a seed pod from one of those bushes in the alley. Maybe it's a blueberry, or it was a blueberry, that fell out of my husband's mouth and rolled under the stove where it molded and shriveled up until my dog swept it out with his paw and then it got stepped on by my absent-minded preschooler who was pretending to be a triplesaurus. Or maybe... Once upon a time, it was a piece of blue or purple crayon, but it doesn't look like a crayon because maybe it spent a couple of days in somebody's digestive tract and then became a dingleberry that hitched a ride into my kitchen on someone's hairy little ass or it got pooped into a pull-up and shaken out of somebody's pant leg right onto my floor. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not like I like it. It's not like I'm proud of it. I don't take pictures of it and pull my friends on Facebook with it. I just. Me again. Anyway, I just ignore it because you know what? That's the best I can do right now. And I think that's good enough. I'm sorry if that's not good enough for her. No, I take that back. I'm not sorry. I don't think i should have to apologize for being too tired to mop my kitchen floors every week do you have to go potty then why are you holding your penis got it no i get it you don't have to show me that's right those are your parts now did she ask me for an apology no of course she didn't but do i still feel like i owe her one because this isn't how she raised me yes Of course I do, which makes no sense. It's not my fault she doesn't think a kitchen floor is clean unless you get down on your hands and knees and scrub the grout with a toothbrush. Who does that? But I feel like that's what she expects me to do, which is so unfair. Oh, oh my God. That's it, isn't it? I'm still trying to meet her expectations. I try, and I try, and I try, and every time I fail, I blame her for it. But the truth is, I'm the one who's still seeking her approval on everything. I'm the one with the expectations. Wow. My therapist was right. It really does help to talk these things out. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I gotta go. I guess um, I'll talk to you later.
0: Hello. Hi, Mrs. Taylor. This is Ryan from the installation department at Appliance World.
2: Oh. Hey Ryan! How's it going?
0: Uh pretty pretty good. I, I got your messages. All of them. Yeah. Uh listen, when I said call anytime, I just meant like about your new dishwasher. Oh, that makes
2: sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, while I have you on the phone, though, did I tell you about Thanksgiving at my sister's house last year? Talk about a nightmare. She had this god-awful cranberry sauce, and her kids were out of control.
0: Hi, Keith Bridges here again. Before we finish up, I need to ask for your help. Two things. First, whenever you're listening to an episode, please share it on social media, word of mouth or screen or post or tweet, uh, whatever, no matter what you call it, your recommendation is the best advertising we can get. And second, please donate to support the artists putting their time and talent into making this possible. Just go to our website, cavalcadepodcast.net and click on the button that says, please support the show. Your support is what will keep cavalcade on the air or wire or whatever the internet is. Thanks a lot. And now a word from our sponsor, The Fullest Nine, a kitty cat company whose slogan is happy owner, happy nine lives. They are the quote unquote geniuses behind the incredible autonomous kitty crapper picker upper. Don't take their word for it. Hear from one of their very satisfied catstomers, the crazy cat dad.
4: Hello, Crazy Cat Dad here for my very first testimonial. I am the proud owner of a tuxedo cat named Princess. It really was love at first meow, but like all love and my marriage, my love for Princess was tested. It wasn't tested by the 4 a.m. wake-up calls or the scratches on the leather she never fessed up to. It was scooping up her crap. The stinky odor and stray kitty litter gets old, doesn't it? I know the answer is yes, so do you. Whether you're on your own, have kids who failed to live up to their promises, have a significant other who is deathly afraid of contracting toxoplasmosis, or developed back spasms from scooping up princess's crap, all is not lost. Greener pastures do lie ahead, and those greener pastures come in the form of the autonomous kitty-crapper picker-upper from the Fullest Nine, a kitty-cat company. The autonomous kitty crapper picker-upper means fewer strains on your relationships, less physical toll on your body, and can be yours for just one lowly payment of $500. That may seem like a hard pill to swallow, but with the average divorce running you $15,000, that's a steal. And we all know you'll end up with custody of a cat anyway. Still not convinced? What if I told you the fullest nine? a kitty cat company's website, said the autonomous kitty crapper picker-upper is, quote, the self-proclaimed best Wi-Fi accessible, automated self-acting kitty crap picking up and cat box in the world, unquote. I was sold at self-proclaimed, and you should be too. I ordered my very own autonomous kitty crapper picker-upper, and four short weeks later, the highly anticipated savior landed on my doorstep. Packaged, of course. To ensure I got my money's worth, I read the 479 page owner's manual front to back and followed the directions without so much as thinking. learned all about its sequences, the control panel, the indicator lights, watched tutorials on introducing Princess to the self-acting cat box. Six hours later, I was thoroughly exhausted and went to bed. The next morning started off like any other. I got up, got ready, drove to work, went to my daily status meeting. That's when I got an alert on my phone from the Fullest Nine, a kitty cat company, saying Princess was going. Cool. I got the same alert moments later. Princess was at it again. At first, I was her biggest cheerleader. Go, Princess, go! But the alerts kept coming. Princess kept going and going and going. Concerned at the potential volume, I hurried home to check on Princess, only to find, A water pipe had burst, and the basement was quickly filling up with water. But thanks to the autonomous kitty crapper picker-upper, I was able to shut off the water valve and save my priceless collection of vintage arcade games. I gotta say, I have been thoroughly pleased with my autonomous kitty crapper picker-upper. I still have to throw Princess's crap out each week, and the stray kitty litter is endless. My marriage is still on the fritz. But it's the home security system i never thought could be so affordable making it the self-acting cat box of my dreams i guess the only way the autonomous kitty crapper picker upper could be any cooler is if it could differentiate crap so what are you waiting for get yourself the autonomous kitty crapper picker upper from the fullest nine a kitty cat company for only 500 dollars and restore some tranquility back into your home
0: Cavalcade is created by artists all over the U.S. and produced in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis St. Paul by Harbor Repertory Theater. Harbor Rep is Mario Baldessari, Robert Perrill, Rachel Bridges, Elise Cole, Tiffa Foster, Raina Kay, Brian Miller, Zachary Olson, Neil Patrick Peterson, and me, Keith Bridges. Check out our website at cavalcadepodcast.net. You can find out more about us, share us on social media, donate to support the show, sign up for our email list, subscribe, or I don't know, whatever you do with a website. Or hey, maybe just leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, thanks for listening.